1: Two and two. He struck him out. Hendricks
2: again blitzes the Orioles. Bouncer to second. This is
0: going to end the ball game. Sogard throws him out. Cubs have won six in a row. They have clinched their fifth straight winning series. They have climbed seven games above for the first time this season. And
1: the final today, ten to two.
3: 3-0 day yesterday for the Chicago. The is a pirate,
0: blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache he growls as he storms the country a villain big and bold and the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold the autumn wind is a raider pillaging just for fun he'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won
3: Oh, we're talking about Mark Gonzalez that was actually a perfect lead-in for him. Oh, my God, I love Gonzo. Uh, Chris Ranji on hit-and-run on the score. Uh, Sean Anderson is producing this morning. And by the way, a little uh, Cubs news. We talked earlier about all the hamstring injuries both teams in town have been dealing with. Uh, Mariznick and Hayward both have hamstring strains. Both taking batting practice this morning. So that's good news. David Ross saying they are hoping to get those guys back soon. That is the quote. So uh, hopefully they are getting closer. Um, Hamstrings have been an issue for players around baseball this season. We are talking with Mark Gonzalez, who is a contributor for the Daily Herald. He covered both the White Sox and the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune for many, many years here in Chicago. And he joins us now. On Hit and Run on the Scores, we go to the guest hotline, which is brought to you by Al Nissan. Al Pamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. Good morning, Gonzo.
2: Good morning. It's nice to be remembered.
3: Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, for, this is a compliment to you. I don't know if you ever heard anybody say this or not. But the, the during the times you were the beat writer for both teams, you were the only person that I can remember any coaches or players say, you know, like, you know, they always say that, uh, that reporters are dumb and they ask stupid questions or whatever. You're the only guy I ever heard any coach or player say, you got to be on your toes when Gonzo asks you a question (laughs) because, because he's, he's informed they're good questions. They're not stupid questions and you got to be paying attention and you have to know what you're talking about. And there are times you would ask one of these players or guys something, and they'd go, oh, okay. Like in their back of their minds, they may not tell you. That's a good question, Gonzo. But they were thinking it. They always liked talking to you.
2: Well, some guys at the end didn't, but that's okay. Uh-huh. I know who the, the true uh, warriors are that, that have been in the trenches before. So I've always respected those players.
3: So you're, you're now contributing for The Daily Herald and uh, this conversation we're having now, this feels a lot like 2012 to me, um, because we used to talk all the time when you were covering White Sox baseball, and you got to see some good stuff over the last several years. And you know, you got to be there during the Cubs and, and their run. And uh, that must have been a thrill for you because you were you covered the White Sox in 2005, too, right?
2: Yeah, that was my first yeah. year, and, and it was a fascinating year from start to finish.
3: So, you, I mean, you got to be there for both World Series. Uh, maybe you're the good luck charm.
2: I wouldn't go that far. I would never take credit for <laughs> the team's successes. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, and I think for, for White Sox fans right now, I mean, they remember the years that there were sand kicked in their faces, and I don't blame them for feeling, feeling good right now, feeling greedy, because um, the work you put in to get to the point you want to get to – uh, it's it's even more gratifying when you, when you reflect back on, on the dark times and how you persevered.
3: Sox are three games up in the division and the division's not really playing out exactly the way we all thought with the Twins being as far back as they are. They're ten games back. Uh, will they make a run, do you think?
2: I don't see it. I just think uh, the division is so goofy. I, I can see them winning some games, but to make up that ground. I just don't see um, their personnel as being overly dominant to have that, you know, that 1993 Atlanta Braves run where they went 54 and 19 to catch the Giants on the last day. I I don't see that team there. I just don't think they have, you know, the Maddox Glavin Smoltz Avery type rotation.
3: Yeah. And it's going to be difficult for them. I mean, they can hit, they've certainly got the offense to do it. I, I just, I mean, ten games back, Gonzo, at, at this time, you know, almost a third of the way through a season, it's not totally insurmountable, but they would have to play some great baseball to really get back in it.
2: Yeah, and they're they're not the most athletic team either. So um, let's keep that in mind too. I'm kind of aghast at uh, sort of the the team they put out there and how non-athletic it is. Uh, the kid Larenich, the guy they called up, the Oregon State guy, has done a terrific job, but. They're going to need more, not just him, uh, to get back in this thing.
3: Uh, Mark Gonzalez, contributor for the Daily Herald, longtime Chicago baseball writer, is joining us on Hit and Run on the Score. All right, so we're, we're talking about the American League Central, uh, where the White Sox stand in it. And we are, we're, we're far away from the deadline, um, but it, it's clear they might have some needs do you think they address anything, whether it's outfield help, relief help, whatever it is, before we get to that point of the season?
2: If there's a deal to be made, yeah, I think so and and we saw that in free agency was what Rick Hahn did a couple years ago with 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 Groundall. you know to beat kind of beating the market on there now you can complain and say, well, they paid too much, but uh they felt they had addressed a need and they and they got' them and and that that position's a little stabilized there for uh for the time being. And uh, we've also seen it w- with the Lance Lynn trade as well. Now I know the trade deadline's a different animal, but we've also seen where uh, the brewers uh, address the need by, by getting a shortstop in exchange for two relievers to a raised team that's been surging. So um, if there's a deal to be made, you know, I think Rick has shown he can work under the radar and, and pull off a deal. if he sees a need to, I think at this time, Time's on their side, though, because of the rotation and how well it's done. But I do expect them uh, to make a deal, you know, perhaps beat, beat the market, you know, sort of like what they did when they they traded Quintana to the Cubs for uh, Eloy and Cease uh, at the All-Star break two and a half weeks before the deadline.
3: Yeah, be, uh, because of the Jimenez injury, you mentioned him, and the Robert injury prior to the season— This team was the favorite for a lot of people. And even with those uh, two realities happening for them, a lot of people still think they're still the favorite in the American League to win the pennant. But here are the Yankees. They're starting to play really, really well. We've had some surprises in baseball as far as good teams. In your opinion, are the White Sox still the favorite to win the pennant?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, just thinking about, you know, the Yankees and what you said, they do have a a big deficiency, you know, offense from the left side, which is strange when you think of, you know, Yankee history and all the great left-handed hitters they have and there's been a lack of production there, but you know, the pitching was superb we saw last weekend, so they're kind of hitting their stride. And in the in the West, it's kind of a a goofy goofy arrangement of teams where, you know, Astros Bullpen has really been shaky lately. There's just not a real uh, stand-up guy in terms of the guy you can really rely on the, to get the Presley. They've had some really tough losses the last two days of the Pirates. And then uh, the A's have been, uh, you know, inconsistent. They've had a, a, a great surge in May up until recently, you know, overcoming that terrible start, but they, they're they flawed too. So um, it's an interesting landscape, but i got to say, if you're looking at a balance, I think the White Sox have the best balance right now.
3: Yeah, the A's are are always interesting, and their 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 run differential is minus eight, and they're still winning their division. It just it feels so Oakland A's for that <laughs> to be the case, you know, like they're just it's like how it, every single year they're they're kind of in it, and you're like, how is this team in it right now?
2: Yeah, you just don't blink uh, when it comes to the A's. I mean, Mark Ken is not your typical Center fielder, but the metrics show he's, he's adequate, at least a couple of scouts that talked in the numbers. It's just a, a real goofy team. You know, uh, it's hard to, f- I guess the, 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 the best thing you can say about the A's is they know their players better than anybody, and that's a huge asset when you're operating a major league team.
3: Mark Gonzalez, tributor for the Daily Herald, is visiting with us on 670, the score now, uh, to to shift over to the Cubs for a moment. Pretty much everybody in the game of baseball has said, I've never seen anything like that when it comes to the Javier Baez play from from the other day. Uh, Please tell me you have seen something similar to that.
2: I haven't. I haven't. And I think... Another underrated aspect of the whole play was Wilson Contreras not giving up and, and speeding around third and, and making that play possible with a large, large help from Javi, of course. But, I mean, you can break that play down so many ways, but the f- big thing is Javi kept it alive, and I think it starts there.
3: And, yeah, and, 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 and Derek Shelton, you know, he said, I, I take responsibility after the fact. Like, no, that's not in, – in any reality – is it the manager's fault when something like that happens?
2: I, you know, rundowns in the way they're ex- been executed or, or haven't been executed, been a big pet peeve of mine the last four years in baseball. It's a simple fundamental play. Um, you make one throw, you chase the runner back to his original base. And I think in the case of Craig, he failed on three counts, one, not stepping on the bag two, as he is moving by his back, he wasn't cognizant of, of Contreras running in third. And then three, when you're doing a rundown and have the ball, you have the ball in your bare hand. You don't put the ball in your glove. But it, Javi Javi exposed them on all fronts. Javi's like the point guard who breaks the press and makes you pay for it.
3: It's you know what, it, and it, the, I, I know this has already been talked about, but the the most amazing thing about the entire play is it didn't really matter if Contreras scored, and you know Craig waited 15 minutes to go touch first. All he had to do is go touch first, and that run doesn't count. You know, it doesn't. It, it's just it's it's crazy how a dude had a brain fart like that in the moment.
2: Oh, it was more than that. It was more <laughs> than that. But uh, and, and this guy has been a first baseman his his entire career, from what I understand. So, and a, and a first round pick. So, I mean, you're not talking about a guy who you know fell up the fell off the turnip truck and suddenly was at first base. He he should have known better. But Javi exploited it, played the whole situation.
3: It it is the equivalent of reaching into the oven without an oven mitt. (laughs) It is. That's a great one. It's like, come on, man. Like, everybody knows not to do that. And then you do it, and you're like, what the hell was I doing? You know? It's just, it's remarkable that happened. You know, we were talking earlier, Gonzo, about the sticky substances in baseball and and the situation that happened with the Cardinals and um, the White Sox game during the past week and Mike Schilt being ejected. And I, I know you saw it and I know, you know, the comments he made about how baseball needs to crack down on that stuff. And he's talking about spider tech and he's talking about, you know, any of the, like the boiled Coke, the Coca-Cola that guys are using for extra grip. And it's making the spin rate just absurd. And you're seeing some of these pitches that are completely unhittable. And he called it wiffle ball stuff do you think that entire situation will lead to a greater change that needs to happen?
2: First of all, what a great, uh, what a, a big waste of Coca-Cola, huh? It <laughs>
3: really is. <laughs> I don't anyway. know. Hey, well, I don't know, man. Hey, Gonzo, if it gets you an extra 10 mil a year, I think maybe you're willing to do it.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, we're, we're at the point now where uh, we got to crack down on this. And first of all, how many balls have you seen from pitchers bounce in front of the plate? I mean, to me, that's a red flag, not a yellow flag, a red flag in terms of the the, the seriousness of the situation. and yeah, and, it, and two, it, it, I think you might have what you do in the NFL with inspectors. You know, NFL has a guy out in the field inspecting uniforms uh, that they stay, you know, in, in, in conformity with, with the league's rules. And in this case, you know. We're gonna have to have stick somebody out in the bullpen inspecting guys' forearms and all that. I mean, or caps. I mean, this is mm. this is what we're coming down to at this point. But it is a serious matter.
3: And, and what you're talking about with balls hitting the dirt in front of the plate—that's not a lack of control. It's that the balls are spinning at such a high rate, and there's such a, a tremendous break on the baseball that they're 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 breaking like you're, you're getting these ridiculous. Spin rates and these ridiculous breaks on the ball, and they can't even make it to the plate because of that.
2: Yeah, it's 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 borderline embarrassing because it's so obvious what's going on, and and yet there's been nothing cracked down. And maybe this thing whole uh, thing accelerated quicker than MLB had thought, but they knew what was going on. And we've seen it with uh, the Angels visiting clubhouse guy getting caught for selling uh, some kind of substance to, to uh, visiting players. So um, this is, hasn't snuck up on them recently. It's just how it's accelerated, I think, is the big issue right now and how how you put a stop to it.
3: I know that's one thing that baseball can do to make the offense uh, better and to cut down on the strikeouts. Do you agree with the idea of moving the mound back and or adding the pitch clock?
2: Well, I'm a little cautious about moving the mound back just because guys have been equipped to throw from a certain distance since the time they were 13 or 14. Uh, I'm going to wait and see what happens with that at the Class A level. Uh, I'm all for the pitch clock. Uh, Maybe I was spoiled the years I covered Mark Burley and saw Mm -hmm. some other fast workers that just had a plan ahead, or guys that just say, I'm going to throw my pitch, and if you hit it, uh, kudos to you, but I'm coming at you
3: and And there's a real value, and uh, I've heard a number of people talk about adding the pitch clock, forcing pitchers to work quickly, allow does not allow them to amp up for every single pitch, which means they're not going to throw a hundred every single time. If you get the ball and you got to throw it, you're not going to sit there and inhale, exhale fifty times and get yourself all psyched up to to throw a, a single ball. Um, that maybe the velocities come down, maybe more contact happens. Do you think that would be the end result? Yeah, it's
2: kind of funny. We were talking about the pitch clock because I was watching a, a college game on Thursday night, and the pitcher from New Mexico State was referring to his uh, little cheat sheet that was on his on his wristbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, was wondering, you know, I guess guys have it now inside their caps, but right. I mean, at what point are we going to come down to that where now they have it on their on their forearms?
3: Yeah, that's it, it's pretty incredible. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about the hat thing. I just there's something weird about it to me that guys are stepping off the mound. They're looking in their hat to see how they're Shouldn't part of the game be that you have to remember how to attack hitters?
2: You would think so, especially when you have scouting meetings and guys are <clears throat> spending 15 minutes with their pitching coach and catcher going over uh, reports. And then all you have to do is is look at the dugout for a quick signal on what to do. But now, you know, with all the cameras uh, at games, I don't blame teams for being suspicious that their signals are being picked up. So, I mean, this is what we've come down to.
3: Yeah, and all of this stuff does lead to less offense in baseball. And if they're looking to increase that, uh, these seem like pretty easy ways to, to make it happen. Mark? I appreciate talking to you again. It, it's good to uh, to have a conversation on the air for the first time in a long time, and let's do it again soon.
2: Sounds good. You know where to find me.
3: I do know where to find you, and I will be showing up to your house unannounced.
2: You got to go through security.
3: <laughs> I I got I got a way to get through. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Gonzo. Take care. That is Mark Gonzalez, contributor for the Daily Herald, a longtime baseball writer here in Chicago. I love that dude. And what I said at the beginning of the interview, that is totally true. I've had a number of different people who are in the dugout, you know, coaches, players who will say, you know, most of these reporter questions are stupid. And I'm not going to name any names. But when that guy asks you something, you got to be on your toes you got to be you got to be paying attention and they're good questions and that's true. He is a terrific beat writer. He did it for a while for the Cubs, did it for a long time with the White Sox and it was a pleasure to talk to him again. 312-644-6767 is the phone number here. Cubs pregame a little bit over an hour from now. Uh, there's afternoon baseball on both sides of town. We've got the Cubs-Reds broadcast. Spiegel is the pregame guy at 1245. And then Zach Zaidman and Ron Coomer will have the call of Cubs-Reds right here on the score. White Sox are also playing on the other side of town. Right now, and I don't know what's going to happen a month from now, on June 30th. But I can tell you on May 30th, both teams are playing some good ball. This is a very good time to be a Chicago baseball fan. Hit and Run continues after this on The Score.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.
2: Oncada. Kopech didn't know where it was. He went down, and I hope Michael's all right. Michael Kopech bit the dust on that pitch, and he's walking gingerly to the dugout.
3: Well, he was walking better as he went in there. You're going to let him walk it off if he can. Could be he landed awkwardly.
0: Hey, Tony, do you have an update on uh, Michael Kopeck? Should be back today, and we'll take a look at him.
3: <clears throat> I think I'm gonna
0: try to send him a text to see how far along He's, you know, he drives back and forth. So but our expectation is that uh, he'll be back sometime today and I'll send him a message on a little bit see how but uh, anxious to see him, you know, on hand in, in person to make some kind of judgment as to where his leg is.
3: White Sox manager Tony La Russa on the status of Michael Kopech, who should be ready to go today. Uh, Another one of those hamstring situations that we've been talking about. It's been happening on both sides of town. It's been happening around baseball. But the good news is he should be available in the White Sox pen this afternoon. This beautiful Chicago afternoon, 63 degrees and Sunny, and uh, it's going to be a nice day. What a great day! I, as I said earlier in the show, such a great day to have both teams in town playing. Nice weather, not having to worry about any rain or anything like that. So enjoy this Sunday, and and also two teams that are either leading the division or just outside first place, which is where the Cubs are right now. So uh, that's Larusa on Michael Kopeck who is. One of the most exciting players in baseball in this city right now, just because of of what he's able to do, how good he is, and, and what his future is for the White Sox. So I I think it's uh, it's good news to have him back, and um, and hopefully the Sox are able to wrap up a sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. We'll get an update also on what's happening on the other side of town with uh, Anthony Rizzo. And uh, we found out a little bit more about David Bodie, who left the game yesterday with a shoulder situation and, uh, you know, diving diving into second base and uh, it looked pretty painful. He slid past the bag and he didn't even, he wasn't even able to reach back out for the bag to to try and, and stay safe because, well, he had hurt his shoulder. So you knew he was in a great deal of pain. We get an update from David Ross on him as well.
0: David, have you gotten any update on Bodie and what his imaging results look like and how severe his injury is? I, I have not. He is in, uh getting an MRI at the moment. We should have some results a little bit later this afternoon, um, but nothing as of right now.
3: So we're not going to see him today. Um, my guess is it's going to be an IL stint for him. And hopefully it's nothing too serious where, where it keeps him from being available for an extended period of time. Uh, you can only hope for that. Meanwhile, the Cubs have also had, uh, or they've been without Anthony Rizzo. They've been playing some pretty good baseball, and they've uh, not had him the entire time either. They've won six straight games, and Rizzo, the update on him. Is
0: yes, it's time to ask about Rizzo. Per usual house, yeah.
3: Uh, the, the full
0: gamut, um, uh, I have not actually checked in with Riz himself. Um, you know, it's still, um, better yesterday for sure. Hit off the tee, uh, swung the bat, um, a little bit, felt fine. Um, still some limiting range of motion, um, but haven't checked in with him today, uh, quite yet. But he's still moving along slowly, but getting better every day.
3: Yeah, and, and the Cubs have been playing good ball. Uh, he's not going to play today, so he's not in the lineup. We'll give you the starting lineups for both sides of town in just a moment. But, um, I mean, even a team that's won six in a row and is playing good ball in the month of May, that's a guy you got to have in there. I mean, it just it, it it increases your margin of error. So hopefully the Cubs get him back. Very, very soon. So here, here's where we are. I mean, we've got the injury situations on, on both sides of town. Both teams are looking good at the moment. The number to text into the show is 312-644-6767. And a text message from earlier saying that Cubs fans should be concerned that they have played the majority of the month of May against sub-500 teams. And uh eighteen of the games they've played this month have been against teams that are under five hundred. That's true. It's certainly true, but I, I always dislike it when we have this conversation. Um, because when you play bad teams, it seems like you can't win, right? I mean, it, it, as far as public opinion goes. You play against bad teams, you're supposed to win those games. But when you win those games People say, well, yeah, of course they won. They're, they're playing bad teams. Well, that doesn't matter. Like that's, they're, they're, What that means is they're doing what they're supposed to be doing right now. If you're a good baseball team, the thing you do is you make up all the ground against teams that are not very good. It's when you start losing to the bad teams that you should start to worry about your place in the playoff race. In the division, then that's when you worry is when you're playing teams like the Diamondbacks or you're playing teams like the Reds and you're losing all those games. Well, yeah, then you worry. I just I don't think you do it now. I think you you actually take that as a positive in your direction that you are taking care of business against teams uh, that you're supposed to take care of business against because you're going to play half of your games against crappy teams. So. I think that's, that's actually a good thing for the Cubs, and it's not something to detract from what they're doing. But, yeah, um, that's where they are right now. And being a half game out in a winnable division, this is, this is what they have to do. in in order to be a playoff team, you've got to win the games you're supposed to.
1: I agree with you, and also, like looking at the sox record, it's not that much better, and they're only beating up on teams that are below five hundred. They lost three to the Yankees. they uh, you know only won two from yep. St. Louis. They won one against Cleveland. they lost one against Cleveland. and the other other than that, they're playing Minnesota, Kansas City, and Baltimore. and Baltimore has lost, I think won
3: two games in the last seventeen. It's exactly what you're supposed to do. And the reason it's not being said about the White Sox, is because they were the division favorite going in for most people. Hello? You
0: play to win the game.
3: That's right. And you play who's on the schedule. And and that question was asked of me, um, I was on with, I think, Lawrence or Mark Grody earlier in the week. I know I was on with both of them. I just can't remember who asked me this question. And it was, should we be concerned that the White Sox lost all of those games to New York. Like, what does that mean? And I don't I don't think it means anything. I think what it means is the Yankees right now are playing good baseball, like really good. And they're much better than they were at the start of the season. And I kind of figured this is what was going to happen. I didn't think they were going to be a, a, a team that just disappears. They were too good for that. And that's playing out. But it doesn't mean the Yankees are far and away better than the White Sox are. It just means they can win in a series. And uh, if the Sox do end up making it to the postseason, which I think they will, and they end up having to play New York, they better get it together against that team. That, that's all that really says. But you are supposed to beat up on Baltimore. And that's what the Sox are doing. You are supposed to beat up on teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates. And right now, the Reds, who are not, for whatever reason, factoring in the division in the NL Central. They're supposed to, but they're not doing it. This is I, I never understand this argument. Yeah, of course they got a good record. Look who they're playing. That, that's I mean, that's every team in baseball. <laughs> every good team beats up on lousy teams. It's when you're not beating up on those lousy teams that you should be worried. When you can't beat the Arizona Diamondbacks, that's when you should be worried. When you can't beat the Tigers, that's when you should be worried. So this kind of stuff doesn't really bother me at all. Uh, the, the, you know Both teams in town are doing what they're supposed to be doing. What you, what you got to do, and this is not any groundbreaking um, analysis, you all know this but it's worth repeating win in your division doesn't matter how good or bad your division is. You win in your division. That's how you lead your division. And the white Sox are 17 and nine against the central. The Cubs right now are 16 and 13. Now that's a winning record, but the team that is in front of them in the division is 13 and seven. So the St. Louis Cardinals lead the NL central because they're beating the NL central.
1: However, looking at the Cubs record by team by team, they're two and one against St. Louis, which bodes well for later Mm -hmm. on in the season, they're three and six against Milwaukee. Eight and four against Pittsburgh, which I mean, later on in the season 2, If you're looking at this, the standings, and you you see the Cubs a, a game back, that's when you look at the games against teams like 500, like the the Pittsburgh Pirates, where you're like, oh, well, what if we just won one more of those games, and then they're three and two against Cincinnati, so they can either be uh, tied after today's game or four two.
3: Right. Um, what you can't be is just terrible against your division. Uh, you know, Oakland A's. I was, was talking about the A's with Mark Gonzalez and they are leading their division. They're 31 and 23 and they're doing that with, um, a, a run differential. That's minus, but you know why they're in first place. They're nine and one against the central, obviously, but they're also, um, uh, doing really well elsewhere. I mean, they got those 31 wins, there are a couple of teams in baseball that are sub 500 and leading the division that they're in, but also sub 500 against their own divisions. But that's not the way you want to play it. You, you, you want to beat your own teams and, and you can't you don't detract from it. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything greater that you're beating bad teams.
1: Sox right now are seventeen and nine against the AL Central, four and yep. four against Cleveland, two and one against Detroit, five and one against Minnesota, and six and three against Kansas City. So they don't have a losing record against a single team. That's what you
3: do. That's how you lead your division. That's how you're up by three games. I'll take that. Take that all day. Uh, the New York Mets have had all kinds of issues. They're thirteen and eight against the rest of the East. The yeah, I mean, just just looking at every single division right now, and I, I misspoke earlier. If you're looking at every single division, um, let's see, with the exception of the A's, uh, they are 8-11 and 11 against the West, and they're still in first place. So that probably doesn't bode well for them. The Astros are going to win that division. Houston's the team to look out for. Uh, and as much as everybody hates them and is still on their case about, you know, what they did four years ago which hey you, you earned it you got to wear it um they're still a really good team and it's the only division where you've got a team beating up on the rest of the division and is not actually winning the division that's the Astros they're 21 and 12 against the west and they're not in first place they're two and a half games out A's are eight and 11. Win, win the winnable games. That's, it, it's that simple. I, I would never take away from the Cubs for being good against the Reds or being good against the Pirates. That's what you do. That's how you win. Good for them, though. We were talking earlier about what the Cubs do moving forward with Javier Baez and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. And a lot of people are still unhappy about the U Darvish deal. And maybe we forgot about that for a month when you know the Cubs were okay but not great, but now that they are really truly in contention in the division, that's a guy you wish you still had around. And I think there are a lot of people that are are talking about that right now. A lot of people on the text line, and you're willing, uh, you're welcome to visit with us via the text line, uh, which is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosen Hyundai.com. this text message from a 217 hello central illinois let's be real the cubs could afford to sign all three of those players if they wanted to they don't you know i think that most teams in baseball could do that um i, I I don't know, I I waver on this, because I I am very pro-player when it comes to contracts and it comes to uh, re-signing players. I think most teams could re-sign their best players, even if it's going to cost them a lot of money, they just choose not to do that. So I I think there's a lot of truth to this. I, I just don't know if it is always feasible, especially when you have three premier players and and Baez is part of that premier player uh, group when you have three of them up for free agency all at the same time and they're all going to command a lot of money I I don't know I I don't know if that's always entirely feasible and I can I again like I said I'm very pro player and I think players should get all the money there are some times where I kind of get it though I don't know how realistic it is truly to re-sign all three of those guys who are all gonna command pretty good money all at the same time. That that would be kind of difficult to do. But they should be back next season with at least two of them, I think. And another texter says from a six three zero. I think you keep them and you offer Bryant and Javi qualifying offers. You may not get much more in a trade than you'd get in draft pick compensation. I think all three of those guys, at minimum, would be qualifying offer candidates. None of them are taking the QO. None of them. So, if the Cubs do play the entire season with all three of them on the roster, regardless of whether or not they go to the playoffs, and you get into the offseason, all of them are going to get that offer. Because not a se- this is not last year. And I know there were some players in 2020 going into 2021 that were worried about what the financial landscape of the game was going to be and whether or not they should uh, accept qualifying offers and you had guys taking them that would not normally do it because they didn't want to be left stranded without an offer from anybody going into the regular season that's not going to happen this time around not with those three players i would be stunned if any of them get a qualifying offer and none of them get a long-term deal somewhere else so if the Cubs do offer them which they will um, all QOs I think um, that would make the most sense and then you would just get draft pick compensation at the very worst we'll talk about the Cubs uh, a little bit later when we get into the 12 o'clock hour as we approach Cubs pregame right here on the score Spiegel will have that for you today that's why me I Chris Ranji, am in on hit-and-run this morning as we get ready for Cubs-Reds. Afternoon baseball in the city today on both sides of town. Cubs are in town, the White Sox are in town, and we are covering both right here on The Score. Spin rate. Save it. I'm <laughs> like, it's not spin rate, it's cheat rate. Hey, Kume ain't wrong about that. It is cheat rate. And that's what uh, Mike Schilt, the manager of the Cardinals, was talking about earlier in the week when they played against, actually, it's Sunday, so does Sunday count as the beginning of next week? Some people think that the week starts on Sunday, I, I just don't know. So was it last week they played? Cardinals in the uh, the White Sox? No, it was this week. No, oh, well, this is confusing. Some people think that Sunday is the start of the week and not the last day of the week. Some people go Sunday to Saturday.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. I would say I would say the Cardinals and White Sox played last week. Last Monday. Okay. Because it's not so, it's not this Monday. It's right, so, last
3: Monday. So it was last week and yes. not this week. Yeah, uh-huh. last week. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway. Just confirm it. This past week. How about that? This past week, uh, there was a game, and uh, Mike Schilt was ejected because he came out wondering what Joe West was doing, talking to his pitcher, Giovanni Gallegos, who had a spot on the bill of his cap. And they thought it was a sticky substance. And they thought it was cheating, so they made him change his cap. Mike Schilt got hot because no pitcher, as far as I know, in the game this season has been called out for anything like that. It, it might have happened, and I, I didn't know it, um, but it certainly didn't cause what the result was of Schilt talking about it. And he went on like a 9, 10 ten-minute rant about it, and he was right about all of it. And he, you know, he stopped short of saying he did say, "Are, are our guys perfectly clean? I hope they are," and you know, it, I doubt it.
1: There was a situation on the uh, about 2 days ago where Joe West took away C- Craig Kimberl's hat. So, so it it did happen after that series as well, but yeah. you know, they just switched the hats.
3: So what what I'm wondering is, is 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 for once Joe West going to be the catalyst of some positive change. You know, usually it's him with a weird buck call or him with a weird ejection because he loves doing both of those things. At the the strangest moments. So, yeah, by all means, let's celebrate the guy. ESPN. Um, Maybe for once, though, something positive is going to come out of his uh, theatrics. And there is a problem in baseball. As we've discussed earlier in the show. You're wondering why strikeouts are up so high. There are a couple of different reasons. And one of them, and if you went back from about a month ago... Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris of The Athletic, they wrote about this issue, that there is a a grip substance or substances that pitchers are using to get crazy spin on the baseball and then therefore the wiffle ball stuff that Schilt was talking about this week. And hitters don't have a chance against this. Well, Saris was on the score on the afternoon show about a month ago talking about this.
0: Get rid of the, the really crazy spider that the, the really nutty, boil the Coca-Cola down and put the other stuff in it and put the other stuff in it. Get rid of that because that's why breaking balls are doing what they're doing. If you're watching baseball and you're seeing 94-mile-an-hour sliders uh, doing stuff they didn't used to do, a big part of that is this, this tacky substance. It increases pitcher's spin rate by 500 RPM, and it, it increases breaking ball stuff. By the stuff rating that I have it increases baiting, breaking ball stuff by 30%. So what if you could just reduce all breaking balls by you know, 30%? What if you could make them 30% easier to hit? I think that would be a good way to get rid of uh, the strikeout rate. We had Bronson Arroyo on last week, and he said that MLB should make legal
1: whatever version of the pine tar or the bullfrog and rosin mix just so pitchers can get a better grip, the kind of stuff that hitters don't hate. They should make whatever that is legal
0: and then get rid of the other stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and that we, had, we had a piece of Ken that said exactly that, because um, when you can't police bullfrog and rosin, right? Rosin is right there by the, by the, the mound, and bullfrog, you know, sunscreen, you can't tell them they can't wear sunscreen. So there's no way that you could police that. And it doesn't do the plus 500 RPM. <laughs> you know. So you could tell them, oh, fine, bullfrog rosin, have at it. But if you're going to put this stuff that people put on their hands when they're loading bricks and when they're loading cinder blocks, um, spider tack, and get your 500 RPM, then, then maybe you get a suspension.
3: You do this, you add that pitch clock, And that might solve the problem of all of the strikeouts, all of the, um, lack of, of chance that hitters have against some of this just ridiculous stuff. And it's not that there are a couple of guys in the game who have that Nintendo stuff that that you see here. You hear hear some of the older announcers call it Nintendo stuff or the Bugs Bunny stuff or, you know, um... Now we're calling it wiffle ball stuff. A lot of guys have it. There, there are these middle relievers that are throwing like that. And you're like, what? Well, it's because of some of this grip. And they're allowed to spin the baseball in ways they weren't able to do it in the past. That would cut down on the strikeouts. The pitch clock would cut down on the strikeouts. Because guys can't amp up for every single pitch and throw 101 if they want to. They, they would have to naturally reel it back in if they're asked to work quickly like Mark Burley did when he was with the White Sox uh, his entire career. So that would be a way to maybe get some more offense in the game, and it really wouldn't take drastic changes in the game to get that offense back. Let's talk some Cubs. When we come back, the Cubs are at Wrigley Field. They will be taking on the Reds, trying to finish up a sweep, and uh, Cubs beat writer for the Sun-Times, and also host of the Sports Adjacent podcasts. he will. Russell Dorsey will be with us next on The Score.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.